This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. We welcome you this morning to our Sunday morning worship service from Ocean Lakes Family Campground in Myrtle Beach. Our subject today is the grace of forgiveness. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt that the sins in your life have been so bad you wonder if you can be forgiven by God? We find God's answer to that question today. There are many verses in the Bible we're going to be looking at, but if you want just one to be the key verse, that'll be 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God wants to speak to every troubled heart, and today may be just the day he'll give you his word of forgiveness. The sermon today is for sinners only. So all of us, including the one who is preaching, need to listen closely to what God is saying. At the close of the morning worship service one Sunday, in which the minister had preached on the forgiveness of sins, A man came up to him and said to his pastor, Preacher, after that sermon, I feel like a dog. Now, this man was one of the finest Christian men in that church. Another man, as he left the church, shook the preacher's hand at the door and with a smile, he said, Preacher, you really let them have it today. Quite a different response. Perhaps one reason for these two entirely different reactions to the sermon was these men's different feelings toward sin in their own lives. This morning we're going to be thinking about the grace of forgiveness, forgiveness of your sins and mine. And if you have a rather casual, light, carefree concept of what sin is in your life, then you're probably going to be in a very poor position to let God speak to you during these next few moments. But on the other hand, if in your heart, you're keenly aware that your life is not exactly what you think God would be pleased with. If there are thoughts within your heart that you know are not in keeping with God's will, if there are deeds you have done, if there are words you have said, if there are places you have gone which honestly give you some second thoughts about their being completely right, then this message today is for you. In other words, The sermon today is intended for sinners only, and everyone needs to listen to God very closely. The Bible says in Mark chapter 7, From within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, All these things come from within and defile the man. Jeremiah says in 17 verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We have a clear example of this truth in the early pages of the Bible. 
the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. But as you remember, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and God chose him to be the beginning of a new, clean world. And when that ark landed on Mount Ararat, God said to Noah, in effect, Okay, Noah, it's all yours now. It's been washed clean of all the sin and dirt and filth. You now have a clean slate, Noah. You have a new start. Do a good job, Noah. Build me a, a new, different, good world. And remember, I am by your side. And what did Noah do when he got off the ark? Read in Genesis chapter 9. He went out and got drunk and defiled himself. Or we could look at Simon Peter in the New Testament who denied Christ. Or look at Judas who betrayed his Lord. Or Mary Magdalene or the woman at the well or the self-righteous man in the temple. Or to a host of others we might look and see plain examples of how sin can fill a person's life. We saw last Sunday about a bloodthirsty mob who wanted to stone a woman for adultery. We could look all around us and see sin. But I'm asking you this morning, if you will, look at yourself now and see the sin in your own life. Maybe your sin is not an open act of iniquity. Maybe it's something that many other people don't even know. So I'm asking you to think now of the sin inclination in your life. Maybe your mind is traveling back over a number of years to some past sin that still haunts you. It may be that you know right now of sin in your life. Not sins in general, I'm saying, but rather some outright wrong that is keeping your soul in constant turmoil. It may even be some activity or thought that you have not positively identified. You haven't branded that as sin, but it's something that gives you question and is robbing you of inward peace. There's a question mark about that in your mind. Well, what is this sin doing to you? First, it is separating you from God. Sin always does this. Isaiah says in Isaiah 59 verse 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. The psalmist said in Psalm 66, verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. We see very clearly in the story of the prodigal son how his wrong attitude toward his father caused a separation. That boy couldn't stand living at home anymore living around his father, being in his presence. One positive test you can give to any thought or activity is whether or not it causes you to be drawn closer to God or whether it seems to push you away from God. <clears throat> Sin always separates you from God. You're just not comfortable around God or in the presence of God's people or in God's house, in his church. And so often those who sin find causes or really excuses which take them away from worship in God's house. The natural result is that almost before you know it, your heart has begun to grow just a little bit colder. 
you're wandering away, not necessarily in gross iniquity or not in open immorality necessarily, but you're just not as close to God as you once were. Now at this point, <clears throat> I'm going to make a rather large assumption. And that is that you are aware of the sin in your life. And I'm assuming this in order that we can move on to another thought which is gloriously wonderful. Just as sin separates you from God, makes a break in the relationship with your Heavenly Father, even so, forgiveness restores that relationship with God. It makes matters right once again, just as if the sin had never been committed in the first place. Psalm 103 verse 12 is a beautiful verse. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. The <clears throat> Bible says he'll forgive your transgressions and remember them no more. Oh, <clears throat> if I could only really believe that, you see. If only I could feel and know that God would help me have that kind of relationship. But how can I know? How can I be sure? <clears throat> well, the grace of forgiveness is a truth that fills the Scripture. Paul said Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. In Galatians 1 verse 4 we read, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father. You remember John 3:17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And everybody knows John 3:16. For God so loved the world, that includes you and me. 1 John 1, 9, our text, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ephesians 1, 7, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. <clears throat> Those who doubt that God will forgive sins as great as they've committed are really in truth doubting that God's Word is trustworthy. The Bible says plainly over and over and over again, that God does forgive even the vilest sin. But some people have trouble believing this. Let me give you an example of how God changed one life through His forgiveness. Quite a few years ago, a preacher by the name of Dr. W. R. Alexander was pastor in a certain city, out on the edge of which lived an old woman whom nobody liked. And she was known only as Old Miss Sadie. When people wanted to say something ugly or mean, they would say as ugly or mean as old Miss Sadie. If they wanted to say something low down, it was, oh, that's as bad as old Miss Sadie. She was considered to be the crowning insult in any situation. Well, here, here's how Dr. Alexander told this story. We engaged Gypsy Smith, you know it was a long years ago. We engaged Gypsy Smith to come to our town and hold a tent revival. It was an interdenominational effort. All the churches in town participated. The Spirit of God got hold of all of us during that revival, and the revival spread throughout the city, even to the outskirts where old Miss Sadie lived. Well, one day, two ladies, with a lot of compassion in their hearts, 
went out and visited her and invited her to come to the meeting, to the revival. She just laughed at them. She said, you wouldn't have me in your church if I did come and if God did save me. Well, the ladies left defeated, but not discouraged. They went back a second time. They got laughed at again. They still went back a third time and with love issued an invitation to old Miss Sadie to come to the revival. Well, old Miss Sadie finally consented to attend on one condition. If they would let her sit in a chair outside the tent in the darkness at the back. And so for five nights, she sat out there, but not alone. The two ladies who had visited her sat out there with her. And on the sixth night, old Miss Sadie came in and sat on the back seat in the, under the tent. God spoke through something the preacher said, and when the invitation was given, old Miss Sadie publicly professed her faith in Christ. Dr. Alexander said there was a great stir in the congregation when she came forward. Since this was only a tent revival meeting, all the churches gathered together. This was not a regular church service for just one church. There was no invitation to join anybody's church. It was just an invitation to receive Jesus as personal Savior. And many of the people there were afraid that old Miss Sadie might want to join their church. Nobody wanted her. Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, all of them were afraid she might come to their church asking for membership. Well, Sunday morning came after the revival services were over, said Dr. Alexander, who happened to be a Baptist preacher, by the way. And when he said, when I was already in the pulpit, I saw old Miss Sadie enter our church from the back. I saw her sit down on the back pew. You could see the whole congregation move just a little bit when she walked in. It was like the wind blowing across a wheat field. Everybody fidgeted. He said, I was not about to refuse to give the invitation at the close of the service. And so I went ahead and did that as I always did on Sunday. I gave the invitation and old Miss Sadie stepped out into the aisle and started down to the front. A wave of resentment swept over the congregation as she walked forward. And then said Dr. Alexander, I saw the most beautiful thing I ever saw in church. And the choir back of me was a young girl, about 19 years old, quite the opposite of old Miss Sadie. This girl was as pure as a driven snow. She was lovely, sweet, innocent, adorable. She was liked by almost everybody. She was truly a lovely person in every way. And that girl seemed to sense this situation also. And so she came down out of the choir. She walked over to old Miss Sadie, took that old haggard face in her two hands, and she kissed Miss Sadie's forehead. Then she slipped her arm through Miss Sadie's arm and she sat down with her on the front seat. And suddenly the resentment in the congregation changed to shame. Some of the people even wept. Dr. Alexander said, we received old Miss Sadie into our fellowship in our church and she never missed a service until we buried her. And one of the biggest funerals I ever had was the funeral of old Miss Sadie, a woman who proved by her very life 
the grace of God's rich forgiveness. Now there's one other truth connected with this beautiful truth of God's grace of forgiveness. It is this. God's forgiveness comes to us not when all is well, when we feel no need of repentance, but it's rather when our hearts are broken, when we are pulled down by the heavy weight of sin. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There was a woman who had lost her only son in military service. She was having great difficulty in becoming reconciled to her loss. It was almost more than she could bear. And one night she had a dream. She tried to sleep, but couldn't. She had fitful, restless sleep. And one night she dreamed that an angel came to her and said, you may have your son back with you again, but only for 10 minutes. At what period of his life do you want to have him? As a cooing baby in your arms? Or as a vivacious toddler around the house? Or maybe as a young boy just starting out in school? Maybe as a high school graduate? Perhaps as a young soldier proudly wearing the uniform of his country? When would you like to have your son back? The, the angel asked the mother in her dream. The mother studied a bit and then she replied, yes, I do want my son back even for just 10 minutes. But in none of those situations you have described, she said to the angel. Once when he was a little boy, I wouldn't let him have something he wanted. And in a fit of anger, he cried out, I hate you, mother. I don't like you anymore and I'm not going to stay with you. And then he rushed out the back door and went out into the garden. I just let him be. And after a short while, he, when he had a chance to cool off, he came back inside the house with his head down, his face smudged with tears. And he held out his little dirty arms to me. And with a quivering lip, he said, Mother, I'm so sorry. I was a bad boy. And I won't be bad anymore, ever. I do love you, Mama. And I want you to hug me again. The woman said to the angel in her dream, If I can have my son for only ten minutes, give him back to me. Let me feel him as he was clinging close to me while he sobbed his little heart out in sorrow and love. That was when I loved him best. It is in such times when we are broken, we are convicted of our own sins, that God's wonderful forgiveness shines brightest. Of course, we don't deserve it. That's why it's grace, freely given. Psalm 103, verse 10 says, He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. But if you're willing to stand with me today in confession of your own sin to God, then God stands ready to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Oh God, we thank you so much for your grace, grace that is greater than our sin. Yes, we wonder sometimes how you can be a giving, forgiving God We've all gone astray like lost sheep. But Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for your love and your willingness to forgive. To forgive. 
May that be a reality for each of us today. We pray in the wonderful, forgiving name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.